Hello and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. Every week we review a new streaming show or movie. This week we will review Bridgerton, which actually premiered on Netflix almost a, a month ago. But I feel like it's been this gradual process of, I mean, maybe it was also because, you know, there were like the big movie releases at around the same time. Um, but it, it's been this gradual process of every week, it seems like more people are talking about Bridgerton, more people are saying you have to watch it. And so we've uh, we finally given in. Although actually, Jordan, I think you'd watched it even before we decided to review it, right? Yeah, um, I watched it. So I saw it come out. And I thought, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. And then people started talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. And it was kind of like, something I added to my list and I think I went like I don't know maybe a little over a week before I succumb to it and I just I smashed through it I actually like wasn't that into the first episode I felt like I had trouble paying attention there were a lot of characters and stuff and I just wasn't sure where we're going but I got locked in yeah so I've only watched two episodes so far but that's only it's only because I started pretty late i just started yesterday and the episodes are actually quite long like at least the second episode was over an hour just over an hour so it's not nothing against my enjoyment of the show it's just that i haven't had time to watch more but yeah that's my only that's my caveat up front (laughs) you know when we do spoilers i feel like every episode is so packed with plot that you know, you, that's it, it, true. It's going to sound like the most insane thing to you. I'm um, tempted to drop it off. Is in a good way. I kind of want to jump off because of so I have so much enjoyment of this show. We'll see. <laughs> we might, I might do that. I'll allow it. I'll allow okay it. We'll okay. see. We can talk about episode one and two, spoilery, and then I'll be like, goodbye. I must save this. <laughs> so Bridgerton is based on a series of novels by Julia Quinn. Um, and it's the first Shondaland show for Netflix, although uh, Shonda Rhimes isn't a writer uh, on this. I mean, she's a, one of the executive producers, but it was uh, this is um, created in the way that, you know, I guess any show that's adapted is created, is, um, but uh, created by Chris Van Dusen, um, who's worked on some of the other Shondaland shows. And it's basically takes place in the Regency era, which I always think of as just the Jane Austen era. Um, mm-hmm. And is about a, as you probably would expect, uh, a woman entering society trying to find a husband. And, I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about with the show. I would say the probably the two most immediately obvious things that make it different from just an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice or whatever is the fact that it takes place, and I don't think this is true in the novel, I think this is something they did specifically for the TV series, um, is that it takes place in a version of Regency England where there are where it's not, where the rich people aren't just white people, and and mm-hmm. so a number of um, no of major characters are are people of color, um, which at first I thought was just colorblind casting, but it turns out there is an in-universe uh, explanation for for why that is, which I'm not crazy about. But we can get to that in in spoilers. Um, that's but even like I missed the in-universe so. explanation. What was it? Oh, you want to wait? I, now it's, I want to know. Uh, I guess it's, it's not, not really a major a, spoiler. It's not a major spoiler. Um, I think it's a yeah. I think it's fine to to, to share it. Um, what you find out is that very early on, you're introduced to Queen Charlotte, um, who apparently in in real history there are rumors that she may have um, at least been partially black. Um, or you know of, of mixed race in, in some way, um, and so in this show they they make her uh, black and, and imply that she has, or I think basically state outright that she's elevated a number of other uh, non-white families into the nobility, including um, the the Hast- the Duke of Hastings, which is right. kind of the the big one in the show, um, and it's a little weird because that's the basically the one time it comes up. I mean. There's a whole plot point about the Hastings being new nobility and the sort of importance of securing their, that there's a little bit of a sense of vulnerability. Um, but 
fundamentally, like people never talk about it, which is kind of hard to believe because just because a person of color achieves prominence and success does not automatically end all racism, which is what seems to have happened here. Yeah, especially given the nature like the the nature of how salacious everything else is all the time constantly i think it's like i mean that's that's a choice for sure because i think it would have worked much better if you were just like hey don't like don't worry about it this is just part of the fiction and everybody move on as opposed to like no in universe this it used to be the way that you remember and then it became this way and then yeah. everyone kind of just got over it immediately, which is very weird when they're like, were you in a place with a man unchaperoned? I guess you're <laughs> ruined. <laughs> yeah, every other aspect of their society is as regressive as it actually was. I mean, I'm not an expert on that period, but certainly in terms of, of gender, where the idea of any sort of impropriety can completely ruin a woman. Also, women cannot inherit money and and so which you know is a sort of thread in all the sort of um again in pride and prejudice which is my main point of reference uh, mm. although i do love pride and prejudice uh but so that that's one element um and and i actually i did not like the explanation but because it's mentioned once and then never really comes up again i just basically forgot it and enjoyed yeah, just seeing fine. a sort of different take on on that era and then the other big one i would say is that there's just a lot of sex um and it's great uh they're like they're just there's a lot of it's like an incredibly sexy show where despite the and and with you might think that's hard in the context of oh any sort of impropriety is immediate scandal but they find ways around that to make hmm. especially i think in the in the initial episodes they make the um even just like the hint uh of uh of any sort of like sexual attraction like really charged although there are some explicit sex scenes even in those early episodes and then towards the end of the season they're just like yeah like let's let's go hmm. for it they're yeah i was gonna say because there's only a couple of the ones that i've seen and i was kind of like I don't know if God, there's all this talk about the shows being so sex filled. It seems pretty mild to me. Like, sure, there's a couple, but I guess that happens later. So. Yeah, I think Stay it tuned. builds over time, as is the case with uh, content that is set in this period of time. <laughs> mm. I mean, at the end of Pride and Prejudice, we got a kiss. It was wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joel, are you liking it so far? Yeah, no, I am. It's so, like more than I thought I was going to. I find the story good, and I like the actors. Um, pretty much all the actors. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, there's some familiar faces. There's no like huge stars that I can recall, but a lot of people. No that Canadians. I've, I'm sure there's some Canadians <laughs> in the mix. It's got to um, be a Canadian or two in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really like the main girl. What's her name again? The Bridgerton lady, Bridgerton. Uh, Daphne. Daphne. Yeah. yeah, she's great. She's like a just right vibe for that yeah. role. She's great. Hastings is great too. Although I will say it's totally not fair. Like the show has like they have they have a fun take on period costumes. I feel like and um, at first I was like, oh, this seems really weird and unrealistic, and then afterwards I was like. No, wait, this is probably more realistic. It's just that a lot of the other stuff we've seen like maintains the grunge that all of this stuff has appended to it now. Like if you go mm. this is this sounds like a humble brag, it's not. But if you go to the the Buckingham Palace or whatever the fuck, which we've been to, lucky yay. <laughs> um you look around and you're like it's kind of moldering. You're like, "Okay, I mean, like I guess they do their best to keep it up, but like this is an old fucking place and like stuff feels old. Whereas here stuff feels bright and new and whatever, but it like would have been cause at the time it was right. It or, was like, new, not yeah. as old. Yeah. But I really like the color choices for the costumes and stuff, which I think is a bit of license. Right. But, um, and I mean, I think you see that even in, not just in the costumes, but also in the uh, cinematography and mm -hmm. some of the effects where there are definitely times where you can tell they're, 
shooting with partial or complete green screen and there's this insanely bright day and this completely unrealistic blue sky yeah, there's a lot of like blown what we would consider blown out highlights or like lighting yeah and, yeah other cases. and every especially those early shots of the bridgerton house are just like insane color mm-hmm. and i think that all works really well that you you just sort of accept that you're in this fantasy version of the the period not they're that they're not going for realism and i think that's great yeah but what the point i was trying to get out with hastings specifically was like all the guys are walking around with their mutton chops and they're like weird scraggle hair which is i guess period appropriate and then hastings is like that's not fair like he's just has a good haircut (laughs) and a sweet sexy like five o'clock shadow beard or whatever and like uh, well-cut coats like they just like made him sexy by virtue of everybody else is dressed like a moron and also has like personal hygiene (laughs) like a moron Um, i don't know that i agree with that i think the other men have it's like a weird comp it's definitely that you can tell that it's at least to me it seems clear that it's a modern stylist mm -hmm. who then gives them kind of old-fashioned haircuts but i think everyone well, the Bridgerton boys look pretty good, too. I'll give them that. But they look good in a different way. They look good in a Shaggy Jonas Brothers way. I was going to say Jonas Brothers. One of the actors <laughs> looks like a friggin' Jonas Brother. Which one is it? It's one yeah. of the sons. The I youngest third son, son or yeah. something. Yeah, the third son. Yeah, he, he definitely looks like a right. lost Jonas Brother. Yeah. I had to Google it to be sure it wasn't one of the Jonas Brothers. Uh who I once shared an elevator with, along with our coworker Chris Velasco, because he wow. was interviewing him for some AOL event. That must have been a Which thrill. Which one was it? The youngest one? Uh, shoot, it's the one that I think people Is it care the about less. Oh, the, the less. Yeah. Well, they listen to this, I'm sure. So that's not. <laughs> I don't know any of their names. Well, I know their names, but I couldn't match them up. I couldn't match the name to the face. Joe is the older one. Kevin, Joe, and, and then, yeah, Billy. Another one. Fred. I, th- I was going to say Fred. George. It's definitely not. Is their dad named Fred? I don't know. You know their dad's names? No, I don't know. Fred, I just, Fred Jonas? Jonas seems right, but I don't know why. Okay, yeah. Kevin is the one that I've been in an elevator with. It's Kevin, Joe, and Nick. Nick. Nick, yeah. Yeah, because Kevin has a startup and was very involved in startup stuff, so I think... I think he follows a few of us on Twitter as well, and is like Nick is the one that the Bridgerton boy looks like, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Married to Priyanka Chopra. Yeah. Nick's the one from the the Jumanji movies. Yeah. 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 I remember him now. But yes, all the Bridgerton boys, I think, look look fine. But I think you're you're right in the sense that. the first time the the Duke of Hastings comes on screen, and partly because you're still getting the, everyone else you've seen has been from I think the Bridgertons and the Feather Featherington Featheringtons, family, which are like, who are they white. almost got it right. <laughs> yeah, it's one letter um, off. So they, uh, <laughs> 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 um, like you haven't seen any. Um, non-white characters yet so when like the duke of hastings first appears and he's black and he's like wearing this like amazing costume and just like looks incredibly modern and handsome it's definitely a moment when you're like oh my god like what is going on yeah he's also just really handsome which is like he's super handsome like really really good looking guy he might be better looking than dean from the bachelor yeah Yes, I think he is. I was, yeah, that's actually an apt comparison, I think, but I think he is a. They have a lot of similarities in their aesthetic. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought, like, high level, I thought it was good. It it actually reminded me a little bit of, um, this is going to sound like weird comparisons, but, like, Emily in Paris and You are two shows where, like, it feels a little bit like they were targeted specifically. It, like, took something that we've loved in the past and then targeted it specifically at, like, 30-somethings, right? Where it was, like, still doofy, like, you're kind of, like, a teenager and, like, a little silly and, like, overdone and kind of outrageous, but, like, not so outrageous. Like, if I I went back recently and tried to just, like, watch the OC in the background while I was Mm. working or something. And I, like, could not. Like, I literally couldn't even, like, have it on in the background because it was so stupid 
like mm-hmm. so tailored toward like a friggin' 14 year old that I was just like, I can't even find this entertaining. And I think there's this like genre of shows, particularly at Netflix where they're like, you know, with you, it's like, let's take gossip girl and like sex it up and edge it up. And like, I mean, it's not really gossip girl, but you know, it's the, like that yeah. vibe it's permeates it all, guy. particularly with him. And same but thing with, it- this is the this is like Gossip Girl too, right? And 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 Emily in Paris is kind of like Sex in like the City all, almost. Yes, I feel like they all inherit like part of the DNA of Gossip Girl and part of the DNA of Sex in the City, mm-hmm. and then just kind of like address it to a contemporary twenty thirty something audience. Exactly. Yeah, which I like. Am for. I think those shows do well. Like they're like really easily bingeable, and they're like. It's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, maybe 20% of the time you're taking seriously and 80% of the time you're kind of, like, just laughing and enjoying. And, like, that's a nice balance to strike with a show, you know, mm-hmm. like, particularly in, you know, 2020, 2021. Yeah. No, and I it also, now that I'm thinking about it, kind of reminds me of um, even Ally McBeal, my enjoyment of that show at the time, which is a little more network PG version of it, but still... I think in a similar vein, but yeah, I, I, I really, I'm all for it. I enjoyed all of those shows very much. And this one, maybe most of all, I don't know what about it in particular. I think it's just really well done as a whole. Like all the parts are really well done. So I almost feel a little too far away from it to properly review it. Cause I've watched it so early comparatively mm. to you guys. <laughs> Do you feel like, have your feelings about it changed in, in retrospect or you just can't remember the plot points? No, I remember the plot points, but it's like, I don't remember, like oftentimes when we do these reviews, like I am watching and I think to myself like, oh, that line, like I'm going to have a rant about that one line that they did or like, you know, whatever. Like I pick out like three or four things that I'm like, oh, this is like a talking point but i just it all feels like very blurry like i remember what the storyline mm-hmm. is and i remember that i liked it mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about it i think this show is particularly susceptible to that because as i mentioned there's just so much plot and you know the the where um so part of the setup and i i don't think this is a spoiler because this is sort of comes in um fairly early in the in the season or i'll be a little bit vague about it but but there's like you know the it's set up fairly early that the daphne bridgerton and the duke of hastings um kind of strike up a friendship that you know is sort of like a complicated romantic comedy friendship Mm -hmm. for for reasons that we can go into in spoilers um but you can tell that they're kind of going to be the main couple um but like sort of where i thought that relationship was going to end up like they got there like real fast and then they Mm. kept going and there's all these other relationships happening in the background and they sort of burn through the plot really quickly too i mean they they have the the advantage daryl that you mentioned of just the episodes are are really long and so um i had moments where i thought oh that is the big dramatic reveal at the end of the episode and then it would keep going and i'd be kind of annoyed but then there'd be another big twist and so it would be fine. I'd be like, wow, that is that is also a really good moment to end the episode on. Yeah, they do a really good job, I think, even early on. Like, yes, early on it really appears like there's, there's this kind of one central thing and everything else is going to kind of like orbit around that and the rest of the stuff is like maybe there as kind of filler but somewhat insignificant. But then as they go, you start realizing like actually all of these characters are pretty full and enjoyable and entertaining in their own various relationships or whatever they have going on is also going to be a source of considerable enjoyment and entertainment. Right. So I think it does, I think it's like, 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 you know, in terms of the Regency, like it does, it does fall into a lot of the cliches of the Regency and, and, and also cliches of other romantic comedies as you mentioned, right. In terms of, but I, there's something about how much is going on that kind of obviates that, right. Where it feels fresh and new and, Cause it's like if, well, if you find that one cliched, like this other thing is going on over here on the side that is kind of interesting and different and whatever. And maybe individually each of them on their own would be like, 
well, you know, it's a take, but it's not necessarily a fresh or smart take, but I think all combined, it like works really well. Mm-hmm. I think they're also setting up future seasons, which yeah, I think. Yeah. And I think they're supposed too. to be about like different characters, right? Like it's not going to pick mm-hmm. up with Daphne and Duke. Well, I think that they'll be in the, the show, but that the, the focus there's like a central romance. Each, yeah. each, each book focuses on a different Bridgerton, essentially. Oh, interesting. I think they should focus on the Featheringtons. What is the younger, the younger sister, and then the one who's in the Featheringtons, uh, who's in love with Nick Jonas? Those are two yeah, of my favorite yes. characters. So, like the uh, Penelope, Penelope, and then the Featherington. What is the Bridgerton, the Bridgerton that one? I like? Wait, the middle one or the youngest one? The dot, the girl that is younger than Daphne, the one that's like a little bit like, I don't want to get married. I want to go to college and be a writer. Yeah, the middle Eloise. one. She's great. Yeah, She's Eloise. fantastic. By the way, Daryl, as much as I think your fondness for the Featheringtons just because of her name is incredibly stupid, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. that is part of why I love the movie Francis Ha. So, I mean, there who you am go. I to judge you? See? We're all susceptible to it. <laughs> Jordan loves the crudes for similar reasons. It's close enough. <laughs> oh my god um, there's a lot of plot stuff i want to talk about but is there anything else you want to discuss before we get into spoilers uh no i would say i think i mean i would say for people who are gonna stop at this point like give it a chance even if you don't think it's necessarily your cup of tea because it, it um yeah it's really it's just really good it's like you know, I'm, it's not like I go around being like, I need all Regency content, whatever. But like, that's not really my bag. But I did really enjoy this. So I No, it's good. It, it is good. Try. And it's fun. It's like a fun, easy watch. And it's not like some of the things that come with stuff like this, like being a little slow or boring or not really an issue with this. And lacking comedy is not really an issue with this. Like, you know, if you need an explosion right now. Yeah, maybe don't watch Bridgerton, but like otherwise, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, and I mean, like like the other shows you were mentioning earlier, Jordan, it, it is a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Um, it's you know total soap opera, but it's like the best version of that. Like it's yes, because it's clever. Like the, the tagline, I think, maybe unofficially, is right: Gossip Girl meets Jane Austen, and yeah, it is. It absolutely delivers on that in all the ways that I would want. Yeah. No, yeah, I never find it like pandering or dull, which some of those shows at their worst moments can become, right? So that's good. All right, well, let's move into spoilers. So if you've not seen the entire first season of Bridgerton and you don't want to know what happens, and I, I would say this is a show that, that thrives on, on plot twists, so does. I would encourage you to stop listening and, and not spoil yourself because we're going to get into it now. So let me just um, up front, let's, let's get my parts out of the way. It's just episodes one and two, and I'll lead. Okay, all right. Well, you we guys won't... can't remember what is what one and two, right? So. I, I, yeah, I mostly remember. At least I think the big thing in episode one is how the Duke and Daphne decide to work together, again, yeah. in classic rom-com fashion, where Simon the Duke decides that he, because he is um, a incredibly handsome and be nobility um is seen as kind of the most eligible bachelor um in the season and he doesn't really he's not really interested in that doesn't want to get married um and daphne yeah so i don't remember because daphne had a debut right and mm-hmm. and wowed she got like a perfect review from the queen or whatever which the is a huge deal comment, essentially she, making went out of her way to comment yeah yeah essentially making her like one of the most eligible bachelorettes of the season right yes but then something happened to lower her status right but i missed what that was her her brother basically chases everyone away yeah her brother was just an asshole to like basically everybody and is like an overbearing chaperone essentially but then he made a deal with the devil and tried to marry her off to that old nasty man so that's his his uh, improper interpretation of his mother tries to steer him correct and be like, look, you're being too aggressive on this. Like, uh, and, and now the Duke has come into the picture and essentially seems to be interested or whatever. So she's like, so like, and he's reluctant because they're friends. Like he's reluctant for basically right. old brother reasons. Um, 
But and he also knows that the Brit, he that, knows that the Duke has no intention of ever yeah, marrying Hastings has no intention, right? So his mom basically says like, your father would have would have not gotten into this mess in the first place and just would have arranged the the correct match quietly and then have it had it be done, right? So then he th- interprets that as. Well, she has only one viable suitor. It's this fucking creepo dude who sucks. Um, but because he's oblivious, he's just like, this man has a spotless record. He has harmed no women, something, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, just does the deal, right? And thinks, I'm being a good patron by doing this. Like, I'm the, the head of the family and whatever. And obviously, that's the wrong interpretation, right? And there's a great scene mm-hmm. in those early episodes where. Once and I, I mean, this is what, to your point of like stuff moves so quickly. It's like within the first two episodes, he reverses on this and then uh, like and realizes his error or whatever. And the mother, at one point, is basically like, "Hey, thanks for coming back and like to lead the family because your father's passed away, but you don't need to do that. I got this shit covered. Like you're kind of an idiot." And it was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the way that sort of. Uh, climaxes is that so that there's already been this kind of spark between the Duke and Daphne and their families are already trying to set them up and so then but then her brother Daphne's older brother Anthony um, or Antony in the British pronunciation mm-hmm. is trying to f- fob her off on this uh, other guy instead and so at this party like every episode has like multiple parties it's kind of kind of like gossip girl in that respect where i, I heard that the, one of the rules in the writer's room is you have to have a party in every yeah. episode which yeah this that. one has at least one and usually more yeah yeah and so she, um daphne kind of wanders off i, I can't even remember exactly why um, yeah she goes off into the garden for some reason yeah <laughs> and then he's Her there terrible the, the suitor yeah, her terrible suitor shows up and tries to force himself on her. Uh, the Duke is about grabby. to rescue her, but she just punches the guy out instead. Which was a, actually a really great moment in the show because they, 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 that's one of the places where they really like frustrated expectation and cliche because you're like, oh, he's going to come rescue her. It's going to be really romantic. And she just fucking cold cocks him. Yeah, she he, pops him so good. <laughs> and yeah. he's like down snoring. Yeah, yeah, he's out. He's out. And... Uh, but the Duke is there to enjoy it and be like, sweet, right. you stupid ass. And then they, they, they sort of decide that they're going to try to solve both of their problems by pretending that they're madly in love. Yeah. Um, but the thing that that sets up is a, a weakness, right? Because basically now what's his name can say they were alone together, like the, the bad suitor. And at this time in this society, that essentially means she's ruined. Like, because no one can say that they didn't have sex and... Yeah, it's like uh, guilty until proven innocent as opposed to like... exactly. It's essentially that she has had sex out of wedlock pre-marriage, right? Which which is interesting because I then don't understand why there aren't a lot more just completely bullshit rumors flying around. Because like, if that is like a weapon and it's sort of guilty until proven innocent... Um, you would think that people just would have all these like completely insane, malicious things said about them. But as far as I can recall, everything that Lady Whistledown, who's the gossip girl equivalent, Prince is is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just really good at verifying her reports, I guess. But that second sourcing things. But yeah, I, I it's it's definitely true. And like, he also there's weaknesses there to where like. You're like, why doesn't he manipulate this earlier? Like, he really has nothing to lose at all by this. And the thing that eventually is his downfall is that he has sired a bastard, which is fine. This is the the bad suitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, which is totally fine. They're all like, what do you mean? That's fine. He's got a bastard. And then they're like, yeah, but he sent the bastard away before it was even born. And he provides no financial support for its upkeep. That's the part that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Right. Perfect sense. So they just basically, they're able to discredit him before he can, so like that if he tries to spread any rumors about them, he's already completely tainted, so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like they get it out first, so basically anything he can say after that is like, well, I mean, you're you're a liar. Yeah, yeah, not credible. And they like kind of negotiate the terms of the deal, right? Where they're going to do like six dances and like this many parties and like he's going to send flowers and like, yeah 
that's them. Neg- yeah, negotiating like their false romance, like Hastings and uh, and uh, Daphne. Daphne there. But they, it's cute. It's like one of those like cute back and forths for like a a couple falling for each other or whatever, right? But it it is also part of the deal of how they avoid the the problem of the single suitor. And it, it's funny because the deal is like you make it look like we're off the market so that you, the woman are more desirable and I, the man am unreachable, which is like, okay, I guess that is how it works. That sucks also, but like, yeah. Which they acknowledge. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah. And then is it in the first and second episode where they have the sexy conversation about touching yourself? No, that hasn't happened yet. I'm interested to see that one. They have a (laughs) weird, they have a conversation where like, uh, he talks about she it's just the offhand thing where she says something about like you know like you have to appear to be courting me or whatever and he's like oh give me like 30 minutes in the drawing room like unsupervised and you'd be all mine basically and it's like cool, <laughs> all right um, yeah but the it, drawing room also at this time like her brother her older brother who is clearly a hypocrite but not at the time because this was fine is like having sex with an opera singer, I think, mm-hmm. um, and has made promises to her, but then when uh, uh, prompted by the same conversation around, like, you have to be the head of the family, it decides to, like, I have to man up and, like, get rid of this person who is not suitable for my class and who I'm just having sex with, even though he seems to really care for her um, and tells her to go walk, basically, and get out of there. Um. Yeah, he makes a lot of mistakes. Poor guy. He's confused. He doesn't really. He's real dumb. Yeah. Yeah. He is dumb. I like uh, Duke Hastings having having his little boxing matches too. Like for yeah, I was gonna say that there's like a little. But it's basically just like get shirtless and real sweaty and then like fight with your also sexy friend bare knuckle boxing, which is like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know a lot about the history of boxing, but. It definitely looks a lot like modern boxing, except they're not wearing gloves. Yeah, they're kind of doing that like old old school fighty stance thing, but they right. are just Daryl. This is an audio podcast, right. so no one uh, except no us can see what you're doing with your fist. Doing my thing, uh, my pugilist stance. But yeah, they're literally just smoking each other in the face, like seemingly really hard. It doesn't seem like they're holding back at all. Um, but that's kind of what sets up Hastings because Hastings at one point gets real mad at this suitor for all of his like inappropriate advances and also for shit-talking Hastings' family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Hastings beats the hell out of him. Beats the hell from him is, is one of my favorite expressions. Actually. Right. We get to see this guy beaten up multiple times, which is really delightful. Um, and, and he keeps coming back. So you see, keep seeing his face turned into get more worse and worse. Yeah. Purple. Yeah, it's good. But I think the major thing, and uh, we, we, I think we'll just talk about this and then I'll jump off, but the yeah. major thing that comes out of the first two episodes is, um, well, you find out that, that Hastings has had a really tough upbringing because his father is essentially the worst person in the world. Um, basically, yeah, just like at his birth was like, all right, it's a boy and it's a boy and then the mom dies in childbirth, but he's off like, good, you gave me my air i don't give a shit about you let's go party and then he calls the boy an imbecile because he has a stutter even though he's very intelligent in other ways and basically says like i don't want anything to do with you and ultimately all this bad mistreatment luckily the boy has this aunt who is wonderful and who ends up kind of like educating him and training him up in society um and then at the end of the second episode you get a flashback to Hastings with his father on his deathbed and his father's basically like great finally someone to carry on the Hastings name which he's very very concerned about right again I think going to it's what like his main was talking thing. about yeah right because yeah. he's the first of the family to be the Duke of Hastings yes and so, it's a new Duke I mean he's, he's a trash person but part of that is driven by the sense that we have to create this dynasty essentially yeah yeah because yeah. and he brings up like basically if anyone if I don't produce an heir who is not only just an heir who is male, but an heir who is an exceptional, then they'll take away the dukedom and give it to somebody else, right? So, but he's, it doesn't excuse that he's an no. actual literal monster. Um, and yeah, Hastings, new Hastings, uh, Bassett, uh, on his father's deathbed, swears to him, 
like I will never marry basically just to screw you so that I have no heir and the dynasty ends now right so that's when you can tell like oh like when him and uh, Bridgerton's brother are talking about like he has a he's vowed never to marry it's not like a fun like I'm a bachelor just like being jolly and wanting to enjoy it's almost more stupid though like that was (laughs) my biggest problem with the whole show because like what is that that's the vow it's true that at some point he should just be like oh i shouldn't live my life for revenge against a dead dude but i think i think they really try to make a point that like when they show just how awful his upbringing is like that will leave a lasting psychological scar that will override kind of any other sensible things that you have going on in your brain. No, I mean, it's at least interesting as a plot twist that, like, he has this thing that he, like, bears, and it's not because he's a playboy, and it's not, like, for some, you know, weird or uncontrollable reason. It's, like, this interesting fabric woven into his character, But and I get that, and I'm for it, but it's also just, like, come on, bro. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very... And I thought that was my first thought when I saw that scene, was, like... Well, I mean, if he's like, it's like the Cheryl Crow song. If it makes you happy, you can't be that bad. Like, just go for it or whatever, right? But then, you know, that's kind of a modern take on what would be the actual situation, I think. Because we were like, well, just be reasonable, right? And and also the stakes aren't as clear to us because we don't have such a strict sort of like ca- uh, class system and like mm-hmm. fiefdom and hierarchy of society or whatever, but... Um. yeah but I do think I thought that was really strong because I was really worried it was the other way and that's a very classic and tired like oh the irascible however you pronounce that word break is like convinced to settle down like you know it's like that's what I th- that's the way I thought it was going it's just like oh they just need to overcome like his desire to kind of not be tethered to this to this institution of marriage that he's and you know, I'm glad they after some other reason. Maybe maybe you're right, it wasn't there there are parts of it where you're like, just get over it, but at least it was a reason that seemed stronger than like I wanna fuck around and be like a Yeah, but it just seems like shitty. once you're like well, whatever, we have to wait for more spoilers. Yeah. Oh I'm I leave now. Yeah, all right. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Thanks, Bye though. I, I loved it. I'm glad you guys made me watch it because I wouldn't have watched it otherwise. So. Uh, we'll right. we'll recap well, we with you it. next week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Bye. So I'm just waiting. Uh, like, I, I think that along those lines, though, the whole idea that he has whatever, you know, vow that he's struck is just super right. frustrating because, like, I feel like once you've fallen in love with Daphne, right? Because he they, they essentially fall in love and decide to get married, right? Yeah, so um, just to quickly kind of go over that part, basically they they get closer and closer, um, and then um, at a certain point, he, he and Daphne are uh, are really uh, are like alone together, and they start. Well, oh yeah, he, like first first he says I'm gonna because there's a whole thing where the prince of Prussia is also interested, so he tries to like push her away for that reason, but then they see each other again and they immediately kind of fall into each other's arms and like, I mean, really go for it to the extent that, um, she's ruined. Right. And her brother discovers them and basically says, you got to marry her or, you know, if you don't marry her, I challenge you to a duel. Cause that's the only, those are the only two ways that honor can be satisfied. And, uh, because of, uh, Hastings vow, he says, no, let's, we're going to duel. Um, but Daphne shows up at the duel at the last minute and says, come on, like, really? Like, you'd rather die than be married to me? And, and he explains, well, what he says, which ends up being, like, a big source of dispute between them, is he says, I cannot have children. I can never have children. And that's why I don't want to marry you. Um, but Daphne says, yes, we're getting married. And that's really the sort of halfway point of, of the season. Is yeah. That they, they're already engaged, which kind of, Blew my mind because I thought that's where the whole season would end. But um. they have this whole episode where, like, he's worried that she feels trapped in the marriage that she was just trying to save her, his, and his and her brother's life, and she's worried that he feels trapped in the marriage because she just kind of like agreed to it with this extra 
you know, um, qualification of not having kids, like in the, in a very like sprinty moment. Um, and so they are like really like kind of not together on, on that first, you know, wedding day slash honeymoon. And then they have sex and it seems like they're pretty lockstep from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's after that point that I get confused about his choices because I'm like, right. you have this future ahead of you, this like happy future ahead of you. And you could theoretically just like let go of this revenge vow and like actually be a good dad. Like that's one way to also like right the wrong, right? Is to like love this woman and have children and be like someone who loves them no matter what. And that would also satisfy whatever you're feeling about your upbringing. But he just, like, doesn't get there. It's just weird. (laughs) He keeps, like, pulling out. And she doesn't know anything about sex. So every time he pulls out, she thinks that's, like, just what is standard and supposed to happen. And when we say pulling out, we mean that he's I mean, like, literally, like, they're having sex. And then he, like, rolls over and finishes. And she's like, that was great. And he's like, yeah, me too. And, like, she doesn't know. Like, why do you keep doing that? (laughs) (laughs) She thinks that's how sex normally goes. And there's a whole sequence where she has to ask her um, personal maid hey uh how does sex work how do women become pregnant because that's when she realizes um that that's i mean i you know i don't want to say normal but that's if that if you were trying to get pregnant that is not what you would be doing um and that and, and basically because she'd interpreted his remarks um understandably um as basically saying that she that he was physically incapable yeah. of having children and and that she had essentially reckoned there's like a couple episodes where she's reconciled to that and says we're going to have lots of nieces and nephews it's going to be great but in, but when she finds out that it's a choice that he made and one of the things she says to her says to him is will not and cannot are two different things and you're choosing basically you know that this is important to me and you're choosing not to do it and she purposefully, she, so the way that she kind of reveals, she, she's figured this out from her handmaid. And it's not just that, like, if you were trying to get pregnant, you wouldn't do that. It's almost the opposite. It's if you were actively trying not to get pregnant, you would do that, right? So, like, that's when it all clicks for her. And so she goes and has sex with him in a way where he can't really do that or whatever. I don't, I'm not trying to be too graphic or whatever. But I will say that, like, one one of the reasons why this show like being sexed up works is because mm-hmm. sex is woven into the plot. So like sex scenes are actually like that is a defining moment in the plot, right? Where she sleeps with him and he can't pull out and she knows and he knows and he knows that she knows and she knows that he knows. And that's all happens just through a sex scene. That's not like a super spoken like they don't like yeah. get in a big fight really. They say a few words to each other about it. Um, but I think that's like a little bit more clever than like, we're going to do this show that's set in this time and place about these like proper high society things. And we're just going to throw a lot of sex in because that'll make sure that you watch it. It's like, no, we're going to like sex is part of their stories and their character development. It's not Mm -hmm. just like gratuitous. I mean, it's kind of gratuitous, but like, it's also necessary. (laughs) And one of the things I think the, the creators have talked about a lot and the actors, um, is the fact that they that there's this whole idea of like the the male gaze, which is how a lot of sex scenes are shot, um, and in the sense that you usually see a lot of the woman's body, um, particularly you know um, her her like you know boobs her and breasts stuff. and her ass, yeah. yeah. Um, and in this, it's actually you you don't actually see a ton of like explicit like nudity, but like in as much as you see a lot of somebody's body it's usually the guy yeah um and yeah i thought that was like uh like a nice like way to do it like to not like have it just be like imagining these like super lascivious guys being like (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) look at that totally um but and and i think yeah it's fine to have gratuitous sex scenes too but that's also great because it is about especially once they have gotten married the bedroom is where a lot of their relationship plays out and so in a sense to turn away from that would be silly anyway right um 
And to go back to your thing about the kids, I I think what I liked about it is to an extent I could see both of their perspectives because I think you could argue that from a modern perspective, he has a, a lot of weight to his argument too because if you go into a relationship with somebody and they say from the beginning, I don't want to have kids, nowadays I think you would basically... You respect that. You treat that as like a thing. Yeah. Right, that you respect that choice and they don't have to defend it or justify it. You're just like, okay, you told me up front you don't want to have kids. That's totally fair. And so in that sense, then that his position is kind of like, which they don't really go into a lot, um, is, is essentially... A, I can't do this. I'm bad for you. And then also, I told you, right? Like, this, yeah, you know, this isn't Yeah, but like also, a like, he didn't, like, I don't think it's as a perfect equivalent because it's not like he told her, like, here's my trauma. And, like, you know, right. I do think that, like, if you are dating someone, you've been together for a while and you're starting to have that conversation and they just say, I don't want kids. And you're like, okay, I can respect that, but can we talk about why? Or can I understand what right. your what your thought process is for that? And they didn't tell you. Or they said something like, I can't have kids, as opposed to, I don't want to have kids. It's like, it, it's, the, it's the omission and the kind of like lie and deceit, I think, that is more hurtful in right. that scenario than anything else. Um, and they have a lot of beef because of it. And he essentially, I, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, you're either going to have exactly what you want and not me or you're gonna have me and be unhappy about it right like if you're pregnant or not right and and that she basically says what you said which is that are do you really want to just throw away um your your happiness just to keep a vow to a dead man and that he is very that for a long time a lot of his this is tied up in his own idea of honor and this is like the one thing that like defines him like that he has to keep his worth this vow more than anything else is like you know what defines who he is um and so he has to let go of that and that he has to also let go of and tied up in that is letting go of this idea that he is just so fucked up and 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 damaged is the word that actually i think she uses um by his relationship with his father that he couldn't be a good husband he couldn't be a good father um and then so kind of fast forwarding towards the end they they throw a big ball um where it looks like they're actually going to go their separate ways um that they're going to be married in name only which you get the sense is what a lot of couples that we see on the show have done um is find some sort of accommodation with each other but at the end they've, they've started to kind of warm to each other and they're kind of dancing around it and then it starts to rain everyone else leaves in this kind of funny scene where even the queen is like standing next to the the lady and the lady's like everybody get out yeah and the queen's like all right yeah i guess i gotta go um because they're having such a moment that they're like yeah "Yeah, let's let them be and what i really liked about that scene i mean it's you know it's it's a very sort of soap opera uh moment but the fact that what she says to him is not Okay, it, it, it's not the thing that so, that solves it is not by him just saying, okay, I'll have kids and I'll ignore my vow. It's that she says we have to like agree to figure this out together. That we're like we're we're in this together and we're gonna figure this out, and that's the important thing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was like really romantic and beautiful. And then to your point that then the 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 really the other crucial decision where he decides not to um, that he's willing to have kids is not revealed in dialogue, but in their sex scene. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they end up having a boy, right? Or is it a girl? Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a boy. Yes. Um, and then the last twist, because the whole time we've been watching this show, we've been trying to figure out who Lady... What is it? Featherdown? Uh, Whistledown. Whistledown is this, this gossip queen of the Regency. And I've I don't know if you read it this way, but it was it felt like it was revealed that it was Penelope. That was how I saw it. There's a scene where you see where you see Lady Whistledown kind of ride off, but you don't see who, see who's inside the carriage. And then at the very end, they flash back to it, and you see Penelope in the carriage, which tracks 100. Um... percent Right, because a lot of the clues point to that family in particular. And there's like one scene in particular, where you saw Penelope crying and you think, has she told, found some way to t- tell Lady Whistledown about this other scandal that we didn't even get to? 
Um, or is, is she just crying because of what's happening? And and now you sort of look back at that scene with, oh, maybe she's crying because she is Lady Whistledown and she's about to publish this huge scandal about her own family. Yeah. And I think also, listeners, if like you were, you didn't watch it yet, but you stayed along for spoilers, we covered like the A plot, like pretty thoroughly, but there's still plenty to watch there. Um, but there's like a B and a C plot as well. And they're both interesting too. So um, there's more where this came from, essentially. And obviously it'll matter for season two as well. So hopefully if you stuck, stuck around with us, and you feel like, oh, I was spoiled. You you kind of were, but you kind of weren't as well. Yeah, there's there's so much that we we didn't get to. Um, and yeah, it's just it's a really fun show. I would say that, I mean, like any sort of romance, I slightly preferred the first half where it's about them coming together, and then the the half that's more about um, working out the relationship issues. I thought was still good and and compelling, but not as like completely addictive and fun as that first half was yeah i think so too and i think also it was built to be that way a little bit like we went from like parties and like kind of just like the glamour and glitz and the snacks and the treats and the dresses to like you know one a lot more nudity but like also you know this very kind of character driven plot and it it wasn't quite as fun but it was still as like it it drew you into that. Like it, it seduced you into caring about that bigger problem, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap things up there. So if you have thoughts on Bridgerton or on our review, you can shoot us an email at original content at techcrunch.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at original content. And we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. Thank you for listening. Jordan, I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, have a good weekend.